CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that means it's time for Options Action. I'm Frank Holland, filling in for Melissa Lee. Joining me tonight, Mike Coe, Tony Zhang, and a special guest appearance by Bono and Eisen. To catch you up, we're wrapping up a pretty rough day on Wall Street. Stocks plummeting after some hotter-than-expected CPI data. The Dow and the S&P dropping nearly 3%. The Nasdaq falling more than 3.5%. Each index closing out its worst week since January. Mike, let's start with you. Your thoughts on the market action. Uh, well, it's it's pretty grim. I think that's uh, that much is clear. And I think one of the things we have to uh, take a look at is, you know, what's the next level, I think, for the S&P? It seems very difficult for me to imagine we're not going to retest those late May lows. I think that those are firmly in play uh, at this point. And I'm kind of, you know, the thing that's more surprising to me is that people are surprised by these inflation numbers. I mean, if you're if you're sort of tracking the data, uh, I, I think that high inflation is is well understood by now. We we didn't expect this number to be any lower, I think, than it is. Uh, but I think what we're really looking at is that rates are going to have to go higher, and, and I mean a lot higher, to start correcting this. And if rates go a lot higher, then there is room for equities, even after these declines, to go substantially lower. Tony? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we talked about the fact that the 4200 level didn't hold on SPX a couple of weeks ago, and that brought further downside. That's exactly what we've seen. And even when we look at some of the volatility indicators, we're not seeing uh, signs of capitulation here and that we're near a market bottom. From my perspective, if you look at the S&P, I think we're still probably at least 7% uh, before you know we hit some of our downside targets. So we are not a buyer yet here in equities. I think there's further downside. Bonneman, what about you? Well, Frank, you know I've been bearish. I've uh, kind of been pounding the table about that over on the uh, Fast Money Show. Uh, what kind of surprises me is this notion of us trying to uh, engineer a bullish case with the notion of peak inflation. Even if this reading weren't higher and it were marginally lower, I don't think that really changes the backdrop, doesn't really change the playbook of what the Fed needs to do, and says nothing about how inflation is persisting and how volatile it is and what, what segments it's kind of rearing its ugly head. So, you know, I echo the, the, the comments of the other two panelists in saying that I really think there is significant downside here, keeping in mind that earnings revisions really haven't been ratcheted down yet. So the, the forward multiple that you're looking at probably is, is being multiplied by the wrong base. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely significant downside here. All right. With all this red in the market, if you think there's yet more to come, Mike's going to start us off with a way to hedge all this downside volatility. Mike. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I was paying attention today, what were the really big institutional trades in the options markets that we were seeing? And there were some really big ones. Uh, I think the best example of that was the SPY 245-240 put spreads that traded today. Now, those were just June expiration. They expire a week from today. And, of course, they're well out of the money. Those are really real crash protection hedges. But we saw a block of over 130,000 of those trade, and then another block of 75,000 of those that actually traded earlier. We saw similar trades 
in the queues. These are people who are buying essentially downside lottery tickets in the event that the weakness that we saw today persists through next week and, this, and we get a real significant washout. Now, the thing that I want to really caution people about in this circumstance is that in this kind of an environment, it is a difficult thing to try to press your shorts because you can certainly get further dips, but you can also get very big rips in this kind of an environment. And so we are seeing a lot of bearish sentiment, and sometimes those can create those kinds of short uh, dead cat bounces that you'll see. What are some of those examples? We saw the SIBO put call ratio, 1.3 today. Uh, that's uh, something we can look at. Rarely is that above one. And there's another index that we don't talk about that often. It's called the Credit Suisse Fear Barometer. It was developed by Dennis Davitt and Ed Tom over at Credit Suisse many years ago. And the levels that we're seeing right now, we haven't seen those since December of 2018 in the last five years and actually March of 2020. And I think we can all agree that those were situations where the market bounced pretty significantly thereafter. But the fundamental headwinds exist. So what do you do? Uh, I was looking out to July. I'm looking for put spreads that are going to pay me at least four to one. The 375, 350 put spread in SPY right now, that was still less than $5, getting me slightly better than a four to one payout. As I was saying, be careful how much capital you deploy, pressing bearish bets, especially after 100 plus point down days like we saw in the S&P today. I do think the S&P trades lower. Just understand it's probably going to be a bumpy ride getting there. All right, Tony, he laid it all out there. What do you think about Mike's trade? Yeah, so an, an out-of-the-money put spread like Mike is using here is a relatively inexpensive way to buy what we would call catastrophic insurance on your portfolio. And I think especially when you're this late into the game, the market's already down 20%. You know, we've seen some, some pretty significant volatile moves here to the downside today, which means elevated uh, options premiums. This is really the way that I think that you want to structure any type of downside protection going forward. But I will say for, uh, for equity investors who are currently holding on to long positions, the order of operation is really first looking at reducing potentially long exposure in stocks or ETFs that you're holding that you may uh, change your views on, and then take a look at reallocating into other asset classes that are not as heavily correlated to equity. And only after you've done all of those do you typically look at putting on a put protection like this put spread here on the remaining positions that you have that are correlated to equities. So uh, it's right trade structure, but there are a few things that you might want to do before you put on a put spread like this. All right. So, Bonawin, you're actually looking at a, a kind of a similar strategy, but it's in a different part of the market. Uh, it is. Um, so my trade is in HYG, and there's been a lot of discussion around the rate picture. And I think what really hasn't been discussed quite as much is quantitative tightening. And you essentially have the Fed letting $47.5 billion run off for the next two, three months, then that's going to double to $95 billion. And keeping in mind, when they were making these asset purchases, included in that was high yield and HYG. And so I'm taking a look out to... Um, August, I'm looking at the HYG 7570 put spread. You're going to lay out about $1.50 for that for a max um, profit of 350, or, or so you're risking 150 to make five for a max profit of 350. 
Um, and essentially what I'm saying here is, even though this is a pretty tight band in terms of HYG, this is something that has only about a 14, 15 implied volatility. So you're not gonna see the same moves in this credit ETF that you will in other equity type of markets. And so I, I really think the Fed put that's been discussed is really more so pertinent to the credit market. We're currently tracking at about four and a half percent in terms of high yield credit spreads. That blew out to 10, 10 and a half, 11 in the 2020 downturn. And so I think we have a lot of room to run before the Fed put, if you will, is actually enacted. All right, Mike, kind of similar to yours, different bit of a different part of the market. What's your take on Bonowin's trade? Yeah, I mean, if we take a look at the market in general, you know, the stuff that's going to get washed out first is equity. And the very next step down is going to be high yield, low grade credit. You could have a risk of obviously widening spreads. As Bono was pointing out, the buyers for this, uh, this is still a source of liquidity, actually, because HYG is still a tradable instrument. That's going to be a problem for sure. And we have we're coming off a period of an epic bull market for bonds and epic low default rates for basically riskier borrowers. And that is what high yield is. High yield is a euphemism, what we used to call junk bonds. And of course, if we start seeing increasing default rates, those spreads are going to blow out considerably. All right. Euphemism. You don't hear that too often on Fast Money. All right. Still to come. Make the most of the bear market. Tony Zhang has two familiar names. You think you can still further ride to the downside. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. There's more Options Action after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Options Action. Even the strongest stocks lately are starting to crack under the pressure. That seems to be the case for Caterpillar, which wasn't immune to today's big sell-off. And Tony, he has a way to play the name if you think this one inches even lower from here now. Tony? Yeah, Frank, as you said, some of these uh, stocks that have held up quite well, like Caterpillar, I unfortunately think there is reckoning coming for stocks like this, especially ones that are uh, further at risk from an inflationary perspective. If we take a look at a chart here of Caterpillar, this is a stock that largely has been range bound between 190 and 230. And just a couple of days ago, we bounced off of that 230 upper bound, and I think we're headed back towards the lower bound of around $190 or so. But more importantly, if you look at the chart of Caterpillar relative to its sector, the industrial sector, you see that it's currently forming this double top after what has been a very strong relative performance since the November lows. And this is really, from my perspective, a good time to bet on what could be some underperformance for this particular stock. But this is really where I think the technicals and the fundamentals align quite well because Caterpillar is currently trading nearly 17 times next year's earnings, which is a pretty rich premium to its relative history prior to the pandemic. And this is not into putting into account what Bonowin said at the top of the show, which is the fact these are still based on analyst revisions that have not been revised for the new environment that we're currently in. So trading at 17 times next year's earnings may be actually still on the lower end. So I think at a minimum, 
minimum, if we re-rate back to what are normal multiples here, this is a stock that at best will trade at about $190, potentially even lower. So to, to play this, I'm using a trade structure very similar to the Mike's SPY trade uh, as a hedge. I'm using the out of the money August one, uh, 210, 190 put vertical, spending about $5.80 for this $20 wide vertical that is collecting, that is paying only about a quarter of the debit spread, risking in this particular case only 2.7% of the stock's value to take a bearish bet on Caterpillar to basically trade back towards the bottom end of the, of, of the range right now. So Mike, you're hearing what Tony's laying out there. What's your take on the trade? Well, uh, you know, I think I previously had put on a trade in XLI uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show. So I think people probably recognize that uh, my view is is the same as his and in industrials generally. And I would certainly share that for Caterpillar. You know, something else that people ought to be thinking about for a big multinational uh, like Caterpillar is that let's assume that we do the right thing and we try to rein inflation in and we do so more aggressively than central banks do abroad. And that creates dollar strength. Well, that's going to create problems for companies like Caterpillar. Why is that? Almost 60% of their revenues are not from North America. So, um, you know, this is this is a problem that we have to think about as well uh, in an environment where rates are changing and they're going to need to. All right, Tony, one other stock you're looking at is Match. You're taking a slightly different approach with this one. Are you swiping left or swiping right? Uh, in this particular case, I am swiping left. Unfortunately, in the tech space, names like Match, I still think there is further downside, especially even, as Mike said, some of the FX headwinds that are uh, uh, there for Caterpillar are also here for Match, especially given the growth opportunities for Match are international. So if we take a look at the chart here for Match, we are in a clear bearish trend. And right now, we've seen a bit of a rally here near the upper bound of that channel. I think timing perspective, great risk to reward ratio for a short exposure. And same thing, relative chart of match to its sector, the technology sector, recent outperformance relative to its sector leads to me to believe that now we're going to enter a period of underperformance. So if you take a look at the business itself, we have seen some fairly substantial revenue growth here from Match, but despite that, we have seen almost no earnings growth. And that's why I think the valuations that is currently commanding here is still overvalued, despite what, have, what we've already seen as a fairly significant multiple contraction here for Match.com. So the trade structure that I wanna use here for Match is a little different than I'm using for Caterpillar because the stock has declined substantially, premiums for options are elevated. So I want to use a, a trade structure that allows me to take advantage of this. So I'm going out to the July 2nd, 22nd weekly expiration, and I'm selling the 77 by 88 call vertical, collecting in this particular case about $3.84. This will allow me to profit whether the, the directional view of match moving lower is correct, or if the stock just simply stays where it is, I'm able to collect 40% of the vertical width by using this type of trade structure. All right, Bono, when I say you're laughing, when I said swipe left or swipe right, I don't know what you were thinking about, but what's your thoughts on this trade? <laughs> I'm married. I don't swipe at all. Um, so uh, this, this match trade, I think, is a, is a very strong alternative to shorting. We've spoken ad nauseum about the risk in pressing shorts in a bear market. And this allows you to actually take in premium versus expending premium, uh, putting on a put spread. If there's one concern, I would say you may want to consider changing strikes. You have to be comfortable with the max loss to the upside. Side, but I think that's going to be up to the, the trader, investor, and what their risk-reward type of profile is. 
All right. Well, meanwhile, let's take a look at the FXI China large cap ETF, one of the rare bright spots in the market this week. Mike, you're looking to make some profits offshore. What's the strategy here? Yeah, so I'm taking a look at FXI. FXI, one of the two big ETFs that track the large cap stocks in China. Uh, also, we have KWeb, which tends to focus more on the technology uh, sector. And, you know, this is obviously a rare bright spot this week. We saw huge flows in it on the option side midweek. Uh, a couple of things are driving that. Number one, uh, we're talking about China reopening. And there's something else, too, which is just take a look at the performance of FXI. This is something that has been extremely hard hit. Now, you, when we're looking at something like Caterpillar that Tony was talking about, that's actually trading at a relatively lofty valuation. Not so for the Chinese stocks. And if we happen to think that they have an opportunity to rebound here, we've got some reopening going on, they do look cheap to me. And of course, options prices are also pretty elevated. And because of that bump, I think we, you know, midweek we were up significantly more. By the end of the week, I think we're up about 2.7, 2.8% week on week. I was looking at call spread risk reversals. These are ways you can get near term exposure to the upside uh, and with the downside risk that you can have the underlying put to you at a short put strike. I was looking specifically at the August 30, 33, 37 call spread risk reversal. Why is that? Uh, 30 essentially would get you in at levels below where we were uh, trading even a week ago. So that's where you would end up owning it. Uh, and I'm trying to get this thing on for pretty close to even. I think it was a slight net debit uh, by the end of the day. And obviously, you're going to need to move and adjust your strikes around uh, a little bit. But when we see these high implied volatilities, this is where you can start to look for these structures where you can get at least 10% upside over the course of the next couple of months participation and avoid the, perhaps maybe the first 10% or so to the downside. But to me, this is one of the areas that I was adding. I am in KWeb, I am in FXI, and I did add to the FXI position today. Tony, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, so we've seen the silent rotation into China starting in March, but it really accelerated this week. The only concern I have is the price action on this particular ETF closing near the lows of the particular week. I'd really like to see this close above 33 next week. And if that is the case, I do see some substantial upside. Now with the call spread risk reversal, if you're new to this type of strategy, the best way to think about it is, is you're selling a, put, uh, a $30 put option and the premium that you collect with the obligation to buy the stock at $30 affords you to buy the 33 30 call spread effectively for free. So this way you get upside exposure, but you have that obligation to buy some stock about 10% lower, which I think for me is something I'm comfortable doing. All right, coming up next, we're taking a look back at a successful past crypto trade and we're answering some of your questions. There's much more options action after this. Here's a tip for your money, your future. Consider boosting your short-term savings with I-bonds. They can be a good hedge against inflation with strong returns. The rate on I-bonds rises and falls with the consumer price index. Right now, that rate is 9.62% for six months. You can purchase up to $10,000 in I-bonds each year directly from the government at treasurydirect.gov. Just remember, you can't cash them in for one year, and there's a penalty for selling within five years. For CNBC, I'm Sharon Epperson. All right, welcome back to Options Action. It is now time for a look back. Just a few weeks back, Mike laid out a way to play Coinbase. Specifically, in this case, looking at the September 65 puts, purchasing those. Now, you'll notice, and this is not surprising given the volatility that we see both in uh, all of the cryptos, but anything that's associated with them. So you'll notice that the September 65 puts 
in Coinbase costs $16. That's, a, that's well more than 20% of the strike price. Of course, that also applies to near dated options. So we're looking at selling the June 60s. Uh, those were also over $6. And once again, the idea here is to try to collect the decay on an accelerating basis. Well, since then, Coinbase is way down, but the trade is way up. Looks like you collected the decay, Mike. What are you doing now? Yeah, so uh, I, we have a situation here because obviously you have expiration on those Junes coming up next week. So you want to keep an eye on that. And you want to close those right before expiration if you can. Uh, my strikes personally were a little bit different just because my timing was a little bit different. But I did roll my higher strike September puts down to the 55s, which is the first out of the money strike in September today. And that's what I would be doing with my Septembers if, uh, if you also hold those. All right, there we go. All right, it's time to take some of your tweets. Our first fan is asking, the XLE, this one's for Tony, the XLE has neared its 2014 highs. Is it time to take bearish exposure and a pullback, or is it too early? What's the best strategy? Tony, over to you. Yeah, I'm not in the camp that you're going to see a significant pullback here in XLE. I think you could actually see a little bit further upside. But as you get towards that $94, $95 range, I would take more of a neutral stance looking at selling call credit spreads. All right, next person says, I'm looking to cost average on the four January $13 call. Good idea. This one's for Bonwin. You know, I like a contrarian call. They've, um, they've made quite a, it's like $50 billion or so in terms of a commitment to EV, but I think they've had some short-term headwinds in terms of deliveries. I will say in this market, I think if you're playing for the upside outside of energy or maybe healthcare utilities, I think it's more of a contrarian call. So I'm, that's my assumption here. And I think if you're expecting somewhat of a rip to the upside, a bear market rally, if you will, you want something that has a little bit more gamma exposure. So I would slide in to maybe July 29th or September, put on the same strike call and bring down your break even. All right, coming up next here on Options Action, the final call, stay with us. Time now for final calls. Bonowin, you're first up. Uh, I really like Tony's cat trade early in the uh, downside cycle. <laughs> Tony? I'm seeking downside exposure, buying a put spread in Caterpillar, selling a call spread in Match.com. Mike, last word. Yeah, I like FXI. And by the way, to the Ford call buyer, I bought some of those January Ford calls myself today. All right, that does it for us uh, on Options to Action. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.